What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> so, so you guys came prepared. It's different having two women on the podcast. We were just talking about that. I actually went through and looked at all the past episodes, and Rachel Cream has been on a couple times. Rachel, but I don't know if she really. I mean, she's like comes in here like she's one of the dudes. She does. Know? She just yeah. walks in here, and it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, and then Laura Burford. Well, Laura's good. But there's never. I don't think that there's been two women nope. on with you at the same time. So. I, can't, I can't think of a single time that's happened. So <laughs> Perfect. Pretty excited. We're excited. About so, so you guys are prepared today. That's good. I did write down a few notes because there's something that, you know, I, I got to officially start it. I always forget. I just want to get going. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast, and now with Rachel Young. Yes. Rachel, what's your, ti what's your title? Uh, conservation educator. Uh, brand new. Just started in November, actually. Okay. Um, well, you, you've been with us longer than that. Yes. I was going to say, technically, I've been a seasonal employee with the department for two years. Okay. Um, at the end of my second season, I was hired on um, with the R3 department. Um, so... My title is conservation educator, but um, my email signature says R3 specialist and outreach coordinator oh, at Otter Creek Outdoor Recreation Area. That's fancy. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's very long, too. And Becky? <laughs> Yeah. What is is it? Becky Bloomfield right now? No, it's okay. Wallen. So I knew it changed. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember which way it went. I think you got hired with me, right? Or around yeah. the same time because you were in my orientation class, if I remember right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's when I started with my grant funded time limited position um, with the grant through Mossy Oak. And in June of 2018, I started in my role now as a conservation educator. So you're a conservation educator as well. So you two have the same job title, I guess. Yes, do, you yes. have a, do you have a fancy footer on your emails like Rachel? Uh, I do. A couple of <laughs> <laughs> um, R3 specialist, field to fork coordinator. Okay. Um, so you're the field to fork coordinator, which is kind of why we're here mm -hmm. to talk today. Yeah. The other day, I can't remember what I was doing. I'm something really productive, I'm sure. But I was like in this edit bay over here and Rachel comes storming in. <laughs> And I wouldn't use the word storming, maybe briskly walking. She bust the door open. <laughs> no, but she had something on her mind. You know yeah, what I mean? I did. I did. And you were kind of, I'm not going to say ticked off. I don't know. I don't know what the word. You were kind of ticked off. You're, it was more of a frustration yeah. noticing that we, our branch, our department, we do so many important things that yeah. a lot of people don't realize we do because we are not good at bragging about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're not good at talking about it. So, Brent McCarty, our branch manager and assistant director mm -hmm. of the education branch. He's, he's been on the podcast before. He has, yes. Um, he came to us, what, Monday? Yeah, I think it was Monday. Mon this Monday and mm -hmm. said, there is a huge need right now for us to brag about what we do. Well, and there's a reason for that. It's because there's a Wall Street Journal article yeah. we're going to have to get into. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, basically... A Wall Street Journal article came out, and it kind of, you know, maybe, I don't want to say tick people off, but I don't know a better word to use, kind of rub people the wrong way around here. Frustrated. Yeah, because we did something really good. We did. And we, or somebody else is taking credit for it. Yeah. Or, or did take credit we, for it. We, yeah. So, that article came out um, last week? Yeah, on the 9th. On the 9th of last week. Um, and we read it all, and we read through it, yeah. and um, we believe that... They may have been misquoted. Oh, well, let's uh, well, let's set it up because I want to come back to the article in a minute, but nobody's going to understand what we're talking about if we don't tell them what Field of Fork we, is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to start there. I say Perfect. we start with describing Field of Fork, which is the program that we came up with that we're all very proud of. Or I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't actually know who came up with it. Do you? Do you yeah. Know? So um, we started doing 
Deer Learn to Hunt courses in 2010. Okay. And it was actually kind of um, a, a, the brainchild of one of our public lands biologists in okay. the Louisville area. Who's that? Um, Jason Nally, okay. who now works for uh, Woodford Reserve. Okay. So um, when he was here with the department, he was getting a lot of requests from the public in the Louisville area that said they were coming to him and saying, hey, um, we want to learn how to hunt deer mm-hmm. or just hunt in general. Yeah. And you, what do you all have for us? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the public was asking for something? Yeah. They were. And yeah. the, the key demographic here is adults. Okay, yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, the thing that I was thinking about earlier is, I don't we know it up here, but I'm not sure everybody else knows it. Hunting and fishing license sales have been on a decline for the past decade, maybe more. I'm not sure how long it's been, but hunting and fishing license sales are the majority of what funds conservation. So that's what pays for the WMAs. That's what pays for the habitat work. That's what pays for wildlife restoration and really everything. I mean, it also pays for the non-hunted and fish species that we all know about, of course, uh, songbirds, what are they, salamanders? Salamanders, snakes, darters. Darters. And darters. uh, Mussels. Mussels, yeah. I I figured you probably knew it at some point. That commercial, that place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, you start to memorize it after a while. Yeah, so, I mean, hunting and fishing dollar sales are so important when it comes to conservation in general for everything. And since numbers are declining, there's less money available for conservation. So, I mean, there's probably like a critical threshold that once, you know, participation drops off to a certain point, it's going to be really hard to keep doing what we're doing, you know, how they're maintaining these properties and public lands and habitats and things like that. So it's really important for people to get into hunting and fishing, right? And one of the main reasons, yeah, and obviously you're the expert on this, but (laughs) okay. But I mean, one of the main reasons that people aren't doing it as much anymore is because it's harder to figure out how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Like when I started hunting, I had an uncle that took me hunting. You know what I mean? Like he took me out there, he showed me what to do and, and that's how I learned. But I'm not sure if it has to do with, you know, a single parent families or single, you know, being raised by a single parent or, or what the situation is, but it seems like people that should be getting into it at that age just don't, don't have somebody there to teach them, you know, like right. a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's <laughs> at least two de- generations that are growing up and, and don't have that connection, don't yeah. have a mentor within their immediate family or mm-hmm. even don't even know friends or coworkers that um, hunt or fish. So that's kind of a barrier to entry for those people. Yeah. So the, the way I see, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Field to Fork, this program that we came up with and the classes we offer – kind of takes the place of that mentor. It does. Um, So we start and we teach them everything that a mentor would traditionally. And um, then we incorporated the mentored hunt so that we can get them out in the field and they can learn those critical field skills that um, help them develop into hunters. I've never been to a field of fork class before or a program. I've seen videos. Oh, but you, uh, I saw a video with you included one time, I believe. Did you really? Were you on the turkey hunt? No, I did the deer muzzleloader. Did you do the turkey hunt? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's where it was. So tell, walk me through one of these classes real quick. It's, <laughs> it's a, like a two-day event? So, it can be. <laughs> yeah, we, we discussed how we wanted to break this down because there is more than just a two-day event. Okay. Um, it's really flexible. Um, we well, just, just like, uh, do you have a class coming up at any point? We do. We, we, do. Well, t- we actually t- have two. Tell, tell me how the one of those two will go down. Like, just walk me through how it, how it'll play out for somebody who goes. And well, th- that way yeah. we can kind of help people understand what Field of Fork is before we talk about the Wall Street Journal article, you know? Yeah. So um, the two courses that are coming up are both Saturday courses. And um, they're just the workshop. So 
we've taken the hunt and we'll do that later um, actually during the season where these workshops happen prior to the season is it turkey turkey mm -hmm. okay because yes. spring turkey's coming up if you oh, yeah literally it's like two days till the end of deer season right now so yeah. it probably wouldn't be yeah. a convenient time to do that but so two saturday classes coming up uh based around turkey hunting mm -hmm. yep um so we start in the classroom we talk about biology of turkeys the mm -hmm. habitat that they use mm -hmm. and hunting tactics mm -hmm. we talk about hunting regulations very important mm -hmm. um introduce some hunting equipment and then we'll go out into the field and learn how to pattern shotguns get people comfortable with a firearm if they've never okay. some people have never handled yeah, that's, that's important for sure yeah um talk to them about turkey load and chokes and what all that means and why it's important for turkey uh -huh. hunting and um Talk to them about what to look for when they're scouting. Mm -hmm. um, you teach them the different shaped uh, droppings. Oh, uh, yeah. And different things mm -hmm. and all that yep. good stuff, scratch marks. and Exactly. I see, what else do people look for when they're turkey scouting? I guess you got to find them on the roost. That you probably go through roosting yeah. birds. and How to put them to bed, they call, they call it, put, finding them at night. Put them to bed. You find them roosted in the morning with a hoot out call or something like that. Yeah. You can always figure out if turkeys are in the area from scratch marks or droppings and of course, J-shaped droppings are male turkeys or Jake's, Tom's. Yeah. And the straight ones are female. So you walk them through all that stuff, teach them all of that. Yeah. Okay. And um, and then we talk to them. The One of the key points of field to fork uh -huh. is talking to them about what do you do after the harvest. Yeah, well, that's the most important part, really. Exactly. Oh, it's not the most important it's... part. It's 50-50. Because, I mean... <laughs> I, I've told this story before. I don't want to derail, but when I when I shot my first deer, I was eleven. I went bow hunting, and I would, this would be very quick. I went out there. My dad dropped me off in the woods, and I like walked into the woods by myself in the dark when I was like this little kid. And lo and behold, I shot a deer. You know, and uh, we didn't have cell phones or anything, so my dad just had a set time. He was going to come back and pick me up, right? And when he pulls up, I'm like sitting there with a the deer, and he wasn't a deer hunter. So we both kind of looked at each other like. What do we do now? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it's like a what now situation. Yeah. So trust me, I know from experience that it's more than just the harvest because you got to figure mm -hmm. out what to do with it after that. So exactly. you walk them through that as well. Yeah, I had a similar experience growing up when I first learned how to deer hunt. Really? And I, where I shot my first deer with my mother, mm -hmm. had to call my dad and said, hey, dad, um, what do you do after you kill a deer? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you don't think it's... that far through, do you? No. Yep. I, so we tried to... We tried to um, get people uh, hands-on mm -hmm. and learn how to field dress, mm -hmm. learn how to skin it if they need to, or um, not with turkeys. You're not going to skin yeah. them usually. Breast but them out. Breast them out, and then we give them recipes mm -hmm. and talk to them about how to cook wild game meat because that's uh, another big yep. topic. People um, are curious about game meat. They've heard it's gamey. Um, yeah, they it's not know. really true. It's not. I mean, honestly especially deer and turkey around here. Like, I don't know, maybe out in the eastern part of the state, it, it probably tastes different. But around sure. here, we got all this farmland, mm -hmm. and the majority of what these deer are eating are grains anyway. Yeah. You know, they're corn-fed deer. It's like, uh, yeah, and that's why it's not so gamey. Mm -mm. Right. Um, and it's all about how you cook it, too. So the recipes and step-by-step, uh, -step how, mm -hmm. to, how to process that meat yeah. so that it tastes the best uh, is really what a lot of people are coming for. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the goals, one of the things they want to learn the most. And that concludes, once we do recipes and we try to do a tasting, mm -hmm. um, have some meat there for people to try if they want, yeah. that concludes the workshop. 
Okay. And so it's a lot of information, which is why we've done full day mm-hmm. courses and two day courses. But it's kind of hands on, right? It's like, we so, try to do it, as much hands on. as I'm we can. not, so I'm not sure if you do it for the turkey. But when a lot of the deer workshops, you actually have a deer there, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And people yeah. get to actually field dress a deer, and and so you're yes. not just telling somebody what to do, and they're not looking off a checklist when they get mm-hmm. their first deer. They've actually done it before. Exactly. At the class, yes. just out of curiosity, where do those deer come from? Or the turkey? So they donated. The, dir- the turkeys were donated. Um, the deer are usually donated as okay. well. I, I think sometimes that one of our department employees will actually go out there and mm-hmm. on on their own tag take a deer yeah. and then donate it to the workshop. And it's kind of time sensitive too. It's like, hey, we got a workshop tomorrow. Somebody needs to get us a deer. Yeah, yeah. everything has to come together in the right time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so far, that process has worked out pretty well. I kind of feel it has. Kind of feel a little bit. Uh, put off that I haven't been asked to get a deer at some point. So, um... Because I know that other people have been asked. You guys have asked Easton before for a deer. Joe Lacefield. And you even asked Um, Brent before to get a deer. I mean... I'd next be, time i'll be more than happy to you're on the list. we will okay. ask you <laughs> i'm not the best turkey hunter but, but in return you have to come film a field of fork event okay i thought you were gonna ask me to mentor i could do that too <laughs> or that i actually yeah, you, put your name in the mentor pot well, for this year so you, you've asked me before yeah so that's a one-day event and then yes. on some two-day events you'll actually go out and hunt right yes so walk me through that because i've seen that on video before but i think you know i mean the interesting part is that you get the whole process when you, when you exactly. do one of these classes. So mm-hmm. when you hunt, how's that go? you have land to go to or how does that work out? Um, traditionally, we've used public land. Okay. Um, so that's really interesting for most people who are coming from like the Louisville area. They don't own acres yeah. of land or their family doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's exciting for us to go out on the public land and kind of show people in that um, scenario. Yeah. A lot of people probably don't even realize that public land is there around Louisville. Exactly. Like you said, Otter Creek a minute ago is on your footer of your email otter creek is like what how, how big is that park it's huge right it was huge yeah i don't was, know the exact i mean well, well otter creek is right there right next to otter creek is fort knox which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily public land but you can hunt it you can right yep. taylorsville is pretty close taylorsville, taylorsville, yep. there's other there's other opportunities as well but uh <laughs> so the reason you were saying i don't is that pretty much what you had to say about the hunt as far as all that goes because i was going to jump into something i didn't want to cut you off um i guess the last thing i would add about okay. the hunt is that um, we try to do, we, we try to do peer mentoring, uh-huh. um, which is easy when everybody's an adult and uh-huh. all the mentors are adults. Yeah. This is, these are classes for adults. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty easy. You're not like, and then hopefully those adults will teach kids how to hunt. It kind of yeah. is a trickle down effect. But mm-hmm. what I was uh, going to run off on my little tangent here is, uh, you were saying people from Louisville don't have acreage to hunt, right? Well, Possibly. in some of the stuff I've read, it sees, it seems like. It's the urban hunters, the people who maybe have a couple acres and want to bow hunt or crossbow hunt or something like that, that are kind of taking advantage of these classes also. Because those are also the people that are less likely to have somebody that can already teach them and show them. You right. know I mean? Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of urban people coming to these classes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And that's why, um, and we kind of focus our hosting our courses around mm-hmm. these areas. So we've done Louisville um, since the beginning. We've yeah. hosted close to that area. 
um, also Lexington mm-hmm. and um, Bowling Green up, or Richmond. We've been up to Boone County. Oh, trust me, Richmond and Boone County are. Oh, Boone County is urban, but Richmond is not. You don't count no. Richmond as urban. No, I've lived in Richmond for years, and uh, my sister goes to school there. I can't. But you went to school decide. at UKU, right, Becky? I did. Yes. Yeah. Where did you go? go there? I went to UKU. Yeah, I went to UK. <laughs> I'm one of the few UK students sprinkled throughout the department. <laughs> There's just a few of us. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. no, Richmond is not uh, urban. Okay. Depends on where you come from. I guess maybe, maybe. Where, so um, where did you come from that you think Richmond is urban? Here, Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt? No, well. <laughs> no. no. Richmond is very... I mean, I guess if you only ever go see downtown, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, you, that's all I've seen, you, so... You, you, you go outside <laughs> of the campus. bypass, which is a pretty small circle. I mean, it's like... I guess since that's there's a true. college there, people don't consider it to be rural. It's maybe like that's why. one of the... Yeah. Probably, I mean, it's a big college. Yeah. It's growing quick. Mm-hmm. I remember last time I went there, I was amazed at how different it was. Have you been on campus like in the last, I don't know when you graduated, so. Um, 2016, okay. and I have been back because I work with the college students there. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. It, yeah. It's like in two or three years, they have completely changed that campus. Yes. Buildings are gone. Building, There's new buildings there. Down. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. But anyway, yeah, anyway, shocker. It's like when you walk in your old elementary school and you feel huge all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. That's the how, hallways are so small. I, I know. <laughs> it, it, uh. It's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, Richmond is not urban. Uh, sorry sorry, we got off on that little tangent. There's good public land in Richmond, too, though. Yeah. At, uh, yeah. Miller yeah. Welch is yes. there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I tell you, I love Richmond. I don't know if you did a lot of fishing or anything when you were there. but Yeah, we did. Creeks were awesome. Mm-hmm. Love the creeks. And, uh, you know, that reminds me. Before I go off on this Wall Street Journal article, I, I ran into you fishing Salt River last year. You remember that? Yes, I do. I ran into you and Easton, your husband, Yep. And who else was out there? Somebody. That was, it was just the three of us. I thought there were four. But that's the day that Easton, I didn't realize it was him. He must have been like slouching down in the water to make himself look shorter. He kept casting his bait towards me. Right? And I didn't know it was him. But oh, this dude cast and his bait landed like three feet from me in the water. And I kind of shot him a mean mug real quick. And 30 seconds later, his bait hits right next to me again. And I still didn't know it was Easton. But I turned around. I whipped my bait right at him and landed it next to him. And then he looked up and I saw it was Easton. And I just started laughing. <laughs> That day, I saw Becky catch like four fish, and I didn't see anybody. I else was the catch only one. one that caught anything. I know that's what I'm saying. You're you're the only one catching fish. It was like I think you were catching crappie and white bass. I caught a drum that day. A drum. Mm-hmm. I've seen a ton of drum in that area of the salt, but um, me and Kristen, we both had pretty good stringers of white bass that day. I think yeah. it was that day, somewhere around there. But yeah, you guys came fishing up on us, and you were catching <laughs> fish, and nobody else was. So it anyway, never happens. <laughs> but I love it. I uh, got off on. Unrelated things there, but we've set up Field of Fork. People should know what it is now, right? Yeah. And so when did we create it? 2010, you said? Yeah, so in 2010, it wasn't called Field of Fork okay. in 2010, um, but that was our Learn to Hunt Deer for Food program. Did we start adults. calling it Field of Fork? We did, mm-hmm. and that was in 2014. So 2014, we had a Field of Fork program here. Yes, that's, that's what we called it. I'm sure there's flyers and there's probably advertisements and all kinds of stuff. Do you we have? Indeed. We do. Um, and it's pretty, it's actually pretty interesting. Oh, wait. I don't, I don't guess you got, you got stuff pocket. in your jacket. It is. It's in my it. jacket. Um, Brian Clark in our marketing division, he had played a big part in this when it first got started. Yeah. And he sent me a flyer. One of the first flyers we had actually mocked up was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and just looking at it, yeah. Compared to the ones for today. So this was 2015? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the biggest difference to Becky and I, of course, were you around in 2015? I was um, not hired on at that point. You weren't, yeah. 
The biggest difference to us is the price. Mm -hmm. You just look, there's a turkey. So I'm looking here, we got filled to fork. You can definitely see what the logo is. Fork mm -hmm. on one side, knife on the other. And then in the middle, we got the filled to fork in the middle of a, a circle. And on one of them, there's a person with a shotgun and there's a turkey. And on the other one, there's a person with a bow and there's a deer. That looks like a bear whitetail too, which is my first bow. Oh. <laughs> like a 1980s bear whitetail too. Somebody definitely found that photo and used that, but I, uh, okay. So 2015, 20. 19, 2018. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we obviously have a logo. We have a, a title for this class and we have the class and that's in 2015. And the reason that date matters is because in this Wall Street Journal article, which I have here, actually, you have it pulled up. Uh, I took screenshots because I don't subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. They kick you off after you're on there for like 30 seconds. So, they want you to subscribe. So I took screenshots. Yeah, you got screenshots. Yeah, yeah, I took screenshots real yeah. quick. Um, let's see what this article says here. <clears throat> here it is. <laughs> and it uh, says program, programs like Field of Fork aim at younger adults with disposable incomes who never learned how to hunt. Hank Forrester, 33, says he came up with the program over beers with Mr. Evans after being inspired by the bustling Athens Farmer's Market. And he claims that that happened in 2016. So right. this, this guy <clears throat> is saying he came up with this program over beers in 2016, right? So, That's what the article says. Well, then how come we have this flyer here that says 2015, filled a fork, and we're offering it? Right. We so we do have, have a little bit of background on we, this. We, 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 we must have been able to see the future in 2015 <laughs> uh -huh. or something. Yeah. Um, so Georgia, and I'll just say well, um, he's with, he's with QDMA, though, right? Hank is yes. with QDMA. Yep. Okay. Um, and then... And I'm not Mr. bashing these people at all. I'm just no, curious no. how they came up with this program years after we did. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, the the misquote is coming in um and and so Hank and Charles they had this um is it Charles idea. and Mr. Evans is that who that is? Mr. Evans, okay. Charles Evans with um the Georgia Foundation. Okay. Um so they had an, a similar idea mm -hmm. and once they finally heard about they had been talking about it for a while, probably yeah. over beers. Um Of course. And they heard about Kentucky doing a program called Field to Fork, yeah. and I kind of probably heard a little bit about what it, you know, what was incorporated in that program. Okay. So they contacted um, Brian Clark. Okay, here, uh, here. Brian mm -hmm. Clark is the guy you talked about earlier. He works yep. he works fifty yards that way <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, and asked about the program. Mm -hmm. You know, what have we learned from it since we've been doing it for a while, and. Um, they asked permission to use our logo, okay. so we granted it to them, okay. and they've been uh, using it since 2016 and had a couple of successful programs um, focusing on deer hunting in the fall. That's what Georgia, that Georgia has been using it since 2016. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the way the article reads, it looks like he came up with the Field of Fork program, but what he came up with was the idea for Georgia to start doing it. To start doing exactly. the Field of Fork. So yeah, it really yeah. reads bad. It does. It It's... Poorly written, if you will. Um, I yeah. think it could have been conveyed just a little bit better. Um, yeah, I would say because it, it is misleading. When yeah, I when is. I read the article, I was like, "Oh wow!" So these guys are claiming credit for coming up with this field of fork program. Truth is, they didn't claim that. They claimed to come up with the idea to adopt our field of fork program. Perfect. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that makes a lot more sense. It does. But it's just like, yeah. why was it written that way? Exactly. Yeah, and you know, you know, people, people. I mean, it might seem. 
it shouldn't seem petty, but some people might think it's petty for people to care. You know, okay, well, why do you guys care if they say that? Well, I mean, because because somebody up here came up with this program, right? Yeah. And they came up with a name for it. Somebody designed this logo. Somebody designed the classes. And somebody did all that stuff. And, I mean, if if somebody comes up with something great, like just imagine whatever you do, if you come up with a really good idea and everybody loves it, you don't want somebody else saying they came no, up with that definitely. idea. A lot of work and yeah. man hours went into. Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of resources and probably yeah, too. Yeah, developing these and making them available to the adult population. So, if I understand correctly, we actually sent people to these other states to help teach them how to do these classes themselves. Right? Is that true? No. Um, oh, okay. We well, it's misinformed. Okay. <laughs> we hadn't sent anybody to. Did my people knowledge. come here? People came mm-hmm. here. Oh, okay. 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 So, um, like Johanna Dart who now is the R3 coordinator for Ohio. When she was in college, she worked for uh, Michigan State where she was going and came to Kentucky to our Field to Fork program, successfully harvested a a deer. During the program? During the program. And um, took all that she learned working side by side with uh, those that were hosting that program Mm -hmm. for her and uh, took it all back to Michigan and started a similar program there mm-hmm. and is now in Ohio where. Okay. So it's been, it's spread from one state. It's spread from Kentucky to Michigan to Ohio. Obviously it spread from Kentucky to Georgia. I'm assuming there's probably several states. Yes. That are, yep. Iowa DNR um, and pheasants forever okay. are using field to fork now. And a pheasant program. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess, you, I mean, it could be used for anything. Yeah. Right. Um, which yeah. is awesome that it's so flexible. We, yeah. we do it. We host for deer hunting, turkey hunting, Dove hunting was new last year, mm-hmm. and um, we're hopefully going to expand to squirrel. Yeah, in squirrel would be good too. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, just in my opinion, deer is probably the one that it's best fitted for. You know what I mean? Like lots of meat, you get. I mean, there's plenty of deer around. Mm-hmm. Turkey hunting is actually kind of difficult. You it know is. what I mean? Like turkey hunting is yeah. kind of hard to to go out there and do on your own, which is of course why there's a course. So you can go out there with somebody else and get mm-hmm. some experience, but squirrel hunting would be really easy. I mean, there's a lot of public land access for people who might want to squirrel hunt and things like that. It's a lot of fun. And it's like, sometimes you go deer hunting, you aren't necessarily guaranteed some action. You go right. turkey hunting, you're not guaranteed some action, but if you go squirrel hunting, chances are you're probably going to see a squirrel. You should. Right. Well, if you didn't, I mean, Hey, I've had some days. Like- 10 out here right now. Well, I mean, yeah. They know they can't. Walking around our campus yeah, they... here makes uh, waterfowl hunting look like it'd be the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> <No>. So <laughs> It's ridiculous. All those vagrants. Vagrants? Vagrants. The geese. You don't like them? No. I just, they're just everywhere. No, they we are were, everywhere. We were walking up here, and there were four that were walking along in front of us, and they did not care that we had somewhere to be. Oh, they yeah. just, and they don't get out of the way either. Well, when you're walking, you can just go around them, but when you're driving, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh. Uh, can't run over this it, goose in front of my work here. It, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and they, they won't move. It's no, like, they don't. I remember when they I was, a, I remember when I was a really little kid, probably four or five years old coming up here with like my grandparents or somebody. I can't remember who I was up here with. And I got into like a, a fight with one of those geese, you know? <laughs> yeah. I guess it had eggs on a nest. I think there yeah. used to be more bushes around the pond. Yeah. They cut back a few of them. I mean, I remember coming here when I was a kid too. Yeah. And, and I remember this, one of them had uh, eggs Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a duck. I can't remember what it was. But one of our waterfowl up here had eggs and a nest in this bush, and I got too close, and it was hissing at me. And that's the first time I ever got hissed at by a, a bird like that. So <laughs> that's why I remember it. It's because, like, I remember the first time a goose ever tried to attack mm-hmm. me. And it was up here where I work now. Yep. Who'd have thought? Hmm. Oh, well. So anyway, has anything been done to correct this Wall Street Journal article or 
I know we reached out to at least Georgia, right? Yeah, we did. Um, And that's when we were informed that it was a misquote and that uh, Hank was mortified to hear how it had been printed. Mortified, that's a strong word. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) so, and apologized and, you know, um, we're excited to see the program expand to other states. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Honestly, that's... I mean, it does great things for people here in Kentucky, but the fact that it's expanding to other states, that tells you how successful the program is. And to be put on the front page of Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it was cool, too. If only they would have said something about Kentucky in the article. Has anybody, you know, at the bottom of the article, there's an email address there that says to contact the author. Yeah. I just didn't know. I don't know. I thought that they were supposed to edit it. I'm not going to reach out. Obviously, that's not my spot. No, 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 that's not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, but... Usually, like, if they update an article at the top, it'll say, mm-hmm. edited on this day to say this. And oh, okay, it's, okay. I don't think it's still been edited yet. Probably not a huge deal to most people. We no. just We just care a little bit because we yeah. take, take a little pride in our yeah. uh, in what, what we do here. So, anyway, that's cool. And uh, so, you are teaching the Field of Fort classes right now. Are you teaching all of them or just some of them? Or? Just some of them. So, okay. part of what Rachel's doing is mm-hmm. hosting some specifically at Otter Creek and in that in Louisville, Louisville area. area yeah. I met your... Uh, Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, that one right there. That's the one for this year. At our turkey hunting at Otter Creek? Uh, it's um, at Fern Creek Sportsman's Club. I know where that is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just outside the Snyder. Mm-hmm. Off of, is that, it's not Taylorsville Road. It's, uh, which road is that? It's, oh. it's like one down from Taylorsville. It's really close to 64 in the Snyder. Yeah. It's not too far it's out. It's not too far off the beaten path. I think it might be off Bargetown Road. Outside yeah, the maybe it's. So you're hosting the class at? Fern Creek. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they like to have people come out there. Yeah. You ought to host some more stuff at Otter Creek. We actually put on a race out there recently. Yeah. I do yeah. some stuff on the side. Yeah. And that was fun. I ran into the guy that uh, is running the park right now. Can Dirk. Dirk. Was it Dirk? Yeah, we uh, he, we were talking about you yesterday. Oh, God. Yeah, he said he ran into you. He yeah. said something about, that's the guy that does the running or something. I do do some stuff like that. <laughs> so, I, so I, I like, think that's him. Uh, uh, in my, I'm from my entire life, I've like been around races and stuff like that. And so I've... To put myself through college, I organized and hosted races, and I provided services for events and stuff like that. So I still, we've been doing Otter Creek for like 10 years now. Yeah. So I go out in all time and DJ and announce these races, and it's kind of fun. But yeah, I met him the other day while I was out there at Otter Creek doing that. He's a good guy. I like he, working with him. Do you spend quite a bit of time at the park? Uh, yeah, I try to get out there two days a week. Um, two days a week? Yeah, and I have a home office, okay. and then I have headquarters. So, yeah, so you're all over the place. I'm all over the place. I like to <clears throat> consider myself a traveler educator um it just depends on the day i'm yeah. in woodford county one weekend Louisville mm-hmm. one weekend and you're going to schools or what are you no, doing no no uh field of fork oh you're just doing the field of fork stuff yeah yeah i'm doing i can do programs out at otter creek mm-hmm. um which we are gonna i'm gonna have a spring migratory bird hike mm-hmm. planned for the springtime um maybe some basic archery instruction stuff out there yeah. we just excuse me um there's not worth the campground that that's like right there uh-huh. um a lot of times those people have the pavilions uh-huh. or the big spaces that we need to instruct and i don't have like a traditional classroom out there yeah i have the meeting room have you been in the offices out there it's been years yeah i used to we used to stay the night and uh when we did the race originally and what it, it was like a nature center yeah the nature mm-hmm. center that yeah. uh, after you drive through all the the cedar trees it's right there to the right yeah right yeah that's the, right. the nature center we used to stay in there i remember they had like animals and stuff and i was sleeping on the sleeping bags and mm-hmm. the on the yeah. on the floor, it was great. I love that. But now, for some reason, we haven't been using that. We've been going to the campground. Yeah, the well, the nature center is um, closed. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, and so is the 
convention center slash hotel mm -hmm. slash well, restaurant. Actually, I, I've heard it been called a lot of different stuff. I shouldn't say this, but I actually went in that about a month ago. Did oh, you? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that. Well, wasn't there a barrier down in front of it? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, there was nothing. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, yeah, that's it's like condemned. As far as I know, it is, yeah. that, that convention center out there used to be a multi-million dollar house yeah. built by some movie star or something like that. He built it overlooking the the river there, but there was a structural issue with it, so they had to condemn it. Even mm -hmm. though it was like a multi million dollar building, it's beautiful, it's it, huge. It, it overlooks. It sits right there in the back corner. Yeah, it overlooks a bend in the river, yeah. and yeah. that that bend in the river right there used to be the shallowest point before the dams and the locks and everything were created, and you could actually walk across the Ohio River there before mm -hmm. before it was dammed oh, that's up. Really cool. yeah. yeah, apparently it has some kind of a, a name. Native Americans used to cross that point of the river really i'm not sure uh i wish i knew the history on that charlie logston told me all that yeah yeah so that's yeah. when he used to be the park manager yep years ago yeah but uh we went to otter creek recently and did some trout fishing i missed it i was not there that day well that was on uh that was on the show last weekend yeah i believe i think they caught like how'd it go i think they caught 35 or 45 fish in like two hours which is pretty yeah, good that's pretty good i mean oh, yeah. i was there the day they put them in it's yeah. really cool to watch all that and um I was coming off the hiking trails. Yeah. I'm still, I'm trying to get all the trails down because um, yeah. eventually we want to map them and actually get distances. You need to just talk to us. Can you all do that? <laughs> we, oh my god! We have all that information. I'm not <laughs> utilizing my resources. Yeah. Talk to us because we literally, like Otter Creek Trail Marathon, it's funny. That oh, that's, that's so funny. Yeah. The, the one that we just did out there. I mean, we sent 400 people onto the trails and half of them have GPS yeah. watches and keeps track keeps of their track. Yeah. yeah. So I'm out there trying to like <laughs> navigate myself. And at yeah. one point on the Otter Creek trail, the one that goes right by the OTC. Yeah. OCT. Otter uh, o Creek trail. Yeah. I always say OTC. OTC sounds better. Oh yeah. Opinion. It's OCT. The Otter yeah, Creek trail. That one's just um, over eight miles. It's like 8.4. Yeah. So on the map I was looking at it and I was like, I can do this whole loop and be back before sunset. I got halfway there and had to turn around because it was getting dark. Oh, if you get halfway, you might as well go the rest. Well, yeah, I just <laughs> cut over. Right? I ended yeah. up cutting through because I knew where I was. I could orient myself, yeah. but I lost the trail a couple of times, and I was like, man, I need to do some. That trail is is sweet, though. It is. I like it's... it. It's so much. It's so different. for And you can people can deer hunt out there, so don't think we're talking about something right now that, like, isn't. I mean, you could deer oh, hunt yeah, where yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But the trail, the Otter Creek Trail, yeah, I like it up, up top there. It's like in those cedars, and you've got, like, a... a pine needle ground covering Bed. yeah it's like you got these tall huge cedars yeah. no branches for 20 feet and yeah it, it's all pine needles so it's really cool and it like opens up real wide and you yeah. can see it's it's completely different i see deer in that area sometimes yeah i jumped a couple when i was walking through then once you get down near the creek the trail can get pretty close to the creek but mm -hmm. the good thing is that's all stocked with trout it's only two miles up from the ohio river so there's mm -hmm. good fishing access there that's where i see all the deer yep. is down there near the creek it's yep. kind of more hardwoods there's more acorns and and walnut trees and stuff like that a lot of sycamores but down there by the creek is pretty awesome and i remember i used to go out there and mountain bike like 10 years ago whenever mm -hmm. it was and we would always uh do it in that order we'd start up front right and then go downstream on the trail oh you would go down towards garnetsville yeah yeah well and then yeah and then we'd continue down the Otter creek trail yeah. until we got to that big rock you know it's like it's like you can't ride your bike up it you're you got to pack your bike oh, on your back. Yeah, yeah, it's literally yeah. like a climb. I it is, yeah. I think for some of the races, we've had to put a rope there so people could climb Take up it. Up it. it. Yeah. yeah, and it gets slick, too. If, yeah. it's, if it's muddy, you got to be careful. It's really cool, though. It is. We actually had somebody propose uh, during our race ooh, two years, not this past year. They one, do it on the Valley Overlook? Yeah, they were. Did over, they really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so what they so did, cute. they were running the race. It was a man and a, 
a woman who were a couple and they were running the race together and we knew that he wanted to propose. And so we set this up, we went out there and, uh, like when they were coming towards us, we had one of our volunteers veer them off course. So, oh so they got off the trail and they ran like 200 yards down to the Valley Overlook up there, like overlooking the Ohio river mm-hmm. and they like flower set up and stuff. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, the friends and family knew it was going to happen also. So they were all waiting at the finish line with like congratulations oh. and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know proposals had happened on there. There you go. It's so heartwarming. See, now you got something else you can advertise. Yeah. Like perfect. <laughs> I'll just put a sign up at Valley Overlook that says propose here. Yeah. But no, seriously, Otter Creek to get back on the hunting and fishing is a resource for people that live in Louisville. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's only 20 minutes away Yeah. if you live on the south side, for it's, sure. Yeah, it's a quick drive, you know. It's, I mean, it's... Right. It's huge. Yeah. It's so big. And um, deer hunting, turkey hunting, you can do all kinds of hunting out there. I'm not sure if you like coyote hunting. Do you? I need to look. So some WMAs are a little bit different about yeah, coyotes. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure about that. I'm not sure if um, they're trying to protect pets that might be out there walking maybe, or something like that yeah but most uh, surprisingly a lot of people that camp there and mm-hmm. that go there for leisure hiking yeah. whatever maybe they realize that people do hunt there so yeah. they actually put little fluorescent vests on their dogs yeah well i mean that's really not a a so, real concern if i had a dog that looked extremely much like a, a coyote i would probably like a put a shepherd, maybe yeah a german shepherd or maybe even a blue healer or something maybe, like that yeah but i mean i got a beagle so if somebody oh no <laughs> no worries there no worries yeah yeah, I think some people just out of caution. Yeah. Well, no, it's cool, though, because, you know, the race will be going on, and, like, I'm assuming other people are out there hiking and things like that, mm-hmm. and you'll hear gunshots, and I'll be like, somebody got a squirrel. Yeah. You know? and yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is really cool, but there's so much in one area. You don't really have to worry about running into anybody else, either. I never, uh, I never, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's an underused resource, it because is. I never see that many people out there yeah. taking advantage of it, and it's yeah. only, like, three bucks in access. It is, um, and I know our, our busiest month, hands down, is October. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been out there in October? I'm sure I have. It's during the whole Halloween event they do. Oh, okay, they set up okay. the, the Forest of Terror and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, that's our busiest. Um, it's, it's hard to get in and out of there okay. in October, hmm. but the rest of the time, we're pretty... Come and go. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just like, I just want people to know it's a resource out it there. Is, I don't know yeah. if you got anything else to add, but people who are in Louisville and may be thinking about taking advantage of a field of four class or worried they don't have a place to go hunting, they can go to Otter Creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are plenty of deer, squirrels, rabbits. I don't see a ton of turkey, but I'm assuming they're there too. Yeah, they are, but I, I still haven't seen very many. I well, don't... It's because you you're got you really wooded there. It's real, Yeah, it's a lot of wood. There's not like there's open fields, mm-hmm. and typically when you see turkeys, they're out, you know, getting worms or bugs out of an open field. Yeah. So they hide pretty well in the woods. There's a couple of open spots that are back off of the the beaten path that the power power still. line is probably a place yeah there's a i was gonna say there's a, there's a good power line yeah. that cuts right through there too that i've seen deer cross and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff and i know that uh when i talked to charlie when he was a the manager there they i mean they run trail cameras and they do surveys they do yeah on the deer population they mm-hmm. said he said they had several deer that were going 170 180 they do a lot of studies, too. I'm not 100% familiar with what all that they're doing. I know there's some CWD mm-hmm. samples being taken. and Which we haven't had an issue with yet. So, yeah. Nope, just taking samples. Um, it was really cool to see the little sample doors. I don't know if you've seen them before. Is it like a brain sample? Yeah, no, a brain stem piece. Sankster in the other room there is actually working on a CWD awareness piece. Oh, that's that, really that's cool. That's going to be on the show here in like a week or two. Yeah. And we did a necropsy with uh, Gabe. Oh, that's... Yeah, Kyle, Sam's, and Gabe, we did Gabe, one for yeah. the show down there. Gabe went and actually harvested a deer, yeah. brought it in here, and we used it for that. So, 
And then That's I think, so cool. Yeah, so we, we will be showing that on the show soon. I'm assuming Sanctuary is going to put them pulling the sample in out of there. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I just walked in and there were all these little floating pieces sitting on mm-hmm. one of our desks. I was like, what is this? And brain. Your brain, yeah. yeah. Brain. yeah there's, that's a brain stem. Um, but yeah, they do. There's a couple of food plots out there that mm-hmm. they're watching. They're just kind of seeing. What comes. What's coming, what's going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, I mean, yeah. It, it's a good area. It is. Long If I live closer, I'd probably go there, but I happen to have some good private ground close to my house. So I'll yeah, you know, I can yeah. walk out my back door. The other day, yeah. yeah. I'm squirrel hunting in my front yard. Thanks to, nice. <laughs> well, it was kind of the strangest thing. Uh, squirrels will get in vehicles, you know, when it's cold out, mm-hmm. and they will eat the wiring. I did you post a video about? I that? I did put a video. Hunter, like, yeah, did you see freaking him? out? Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. So my dog uh, that I was yeah. talking about, he's like under my vehicle and he's smelling up into my vehicle. I was like, well, there was a squirrel in there at some point, and he just he just won't leave my vehicle alone. He is smelling the radiator and all this stuff, and I was like, there might still be a squirrel in there. And I popped the hood open, and that squirrel is just hanging out right there under the hood. <laughs> And, uh, see, I did a little squirrel hunt in my yard the other day. I mean, they're getting in there and eating the wires and stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's becoming an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, my dog, my, my dog does good. I like to reward him. Yeah. So, you know, if he if he is out in the yard doing his own thing and he, you know, gets after a rabbit and runs it around, I'd like to, you know, if it's rabbit season or squirrel season, I was like, well, might as well reward him a little bit. Tell him he's being a good boy. <laughs> yeah. So, oh well, yeah, but that that's fun and. uh I know that both of you are hunters, correct? Yeah. I know you are, Becky. I didn't know how much hunting you've done, Rachel. Yeah. Um, my I grew up doing it. Uh-huh. I, I remember being probably six years old. Now, we, my family has uh, land in Bald Knob. In oh, the really? Bald Knob area. Yeah. Did you let me come coyote hunt it? Yeah. Uh, we have tons. Okay. If, if, you, if you're serious. I'm dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we have plenty. Um, I was actually hunting this year. And I heard one. Uh-huh. I could hear like him. Was he barking? He yeah yeah. He was making a real weird barking noise. Yeah. But you could tell it didn't sound quite right. Yep. I couldn't see him. Um, and I'm not kidding you. Two minutes later, I heard gunshots, mm-hmm. and I heard him go down. And I was like, somebody on the land behind us got him. So that was pretty cool because yeah. I don't coyote hunt. It could be that, or it could have been somebody calling. Do you think about that? No, I didn't. But there was a gunshot right after. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I, I Somebody. was in there, and I texted my dad. He he sits like a couple. I don't know. He sits on the back side of the farm, and uh-huh. I sit on the front side in a in a ground blind, mm-hmm. and he sits in a stand. And I texted him, and I was like, "Do you hear that?" He was like, "Yeah, that sounded like a coyote. Yeah. What was that?" And yeah. I still don't know. We have people all around us that hunt, but uh-huh. I grew up hunting out there. I remember being six, sitting in the blind with my mm-hmm. parents, and uh, they like to use me for spotting. So. Yeah. They'd slowly kind of like to nod off and oh, yeah. I'd wake him up like, there's a deer. <laughs> you wake him up when a deer walked out? Yeah, That's yeah. That's a good job. Yeah, and then I went to Camp Royal Wallace. Mm-hmm. That's where my, I, went, I went there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, got my Hunter Ed card and from then on out, I just, now I don't, I, I do a lot of deer. Yeah. I don't, my family, we, I think my brother did a little bit of turkey hunting for a while, mm-hmm. but then he went to college and. Yeah, kinda, so a lot of people move away. and It kind of drops off. That's what happened to me. We uh-huh. were I was talking about this with Olivia earlier, Olivia Dangler, and um, I like to think of it as like riding a bike. Yeah. Um, like you've learned to ride a bike when you're little, and you always know how to ride a bike. But then when you go to college, it's like, oh, I don't really need to ride a bike. I can I, just walk everywhere. I actually rode a bike a lot more. Did college. you? See, <laughs> I did it. I stopped yeah. riding a bike, and I like jumped on one when I was maybe 22. And you still knew how. And, but I was... I had lost my confidence. I was like, oh. Okay. You weren't doing the jumps anymore. And, and I, yeah, I wasn't doing the kickflips. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, can I still a, do this? If you can kickflip a bike, I'm impressed. <laughs> Is that a skateboard term? Yes. <laughs> yes. Obviously, I didn't do much uh, 
uh, skateboarding as a kid. But yeah. And it was the same thing with hunting for me. It was like I grew up doing it. Mm-hmm. I did it until I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And then I got back into it last year and kind of like lost my confidence. But yeah. I, picked it, I picked it up and mm-hmm. I was like, I know what I'm doing. That's why I got lucky being in Richmond. We had public land yeah, right yeah. there and i actually got to know a farmer and got some access to private land out there too which was nice you just gotta ask yeah. But yeah i think a lot of people go away for college or or maybe move somewhere for a job and it's like oh i don't have my land anymore that yeah. i used to hunt and yeah. instead of going out and trying to find somewhere a lot of people just it's easier not to you know yeah, what i mean it is. yeah but then, uh, i don't know about you guys but when i was in college i was flat broke yeah i was very broke too. yeah I was, <laughs> I was very broke and like a hunting license at the time seemed like the biggest deal in the world oh it is weird it it and but now it's like no, no no big deal. It's really, another expense. I really think they should pay for mine up here. You know <laughs> they should I mean? pay for yours. Yeah, I feel like they should. <laughs> but no, I uh, what I was going to say about the coyotes is that that bark that a coyote does, like a that certain bark they do, you, is when they see you. It's like when a coyote knows you're there, that's when it does that bark. Mm-hmm. And typically, the way I can think of it, and you can ask Jameson on the way out, when a coyote does that bark, you you got no chance. Like you aren't they because I mean they they've gotcha yeah they know you're there they've yeah. they've usually seen you and you got no chance to kill them at that point but and you said something about the coyote distress sound after the gunshot right yeah yeah well, I mean that not many coyotes actually do that they when don't you see them. well I'm, it was it like I had never heard anything like it before yeah. it like chilled me but those so that sound uh, the coyote distress sound is your best bet for calling in a second coyote ah. so a lot of a lot of calls out there actually are are programmed. To when a gunshot goes off, it automatically switches to that sound immediately. Wow. So if, oh, so how so, about that? So say you got two coyotes you're talking to, right? And one of them comes in, and one of them hangs up in the woods. If you shoot the one that you see, when you switch to a coyote distress sound, a lot of times that second one that's in the woods will come, come to in. you. Yeah. Hmm. Or like if you watch that coyote hunt we did for the show last year, I shot at that coyote, and I missed, and it took off running. And then I switched to that sound, and it stopped. It's like something instinctual in them. They have mm. they have to stop. They have to look. They have to come in. So it could have been somebody who was, like, calling with that bark. Yeah. And then when a coyote came in, they switched to the, the distress. Because hmm. most coyotes don't actually make that That's really noise. cool. I mean, I've never in my life yeah. heard anything like it. Yeah. So no, that's it, really interesting. It makes sense. But yeah, it, 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 does. it could have been somebody calling, too. Yeah. I've had several. Hmm. So I've called in four or five people. Over the years, like you say, people, people, like human, like walked up on you. That's what I mean. That's what, what, that's what I mean by people is humans. What? Humans. Yeah, the human people. That's funny. So I, uh, like, I'll, I'll be calling, and I got a video on my phone that's happened to me this year. I uh, was hunting a horse farm uh, for some people. They had actually had one of their horses attacked. It's like an elderly retired horse, and they had, it had been attacked by coyotes. And she talks about seeing these coyotes in the field, and they aren't afraid, and all this stuff. So she asked me to come out there. And see if I could help take care of a couple of the problem coyotes, you know. And I'm sitting there and I'm calling and I'm calling. And I switch to that coyote distress sound. And I start hearing something and I'm kind of like getting ready. And then here comes this woman walking out of the woods. And she walks straight up. She's on the phone and she's talking to somebody. And it was just like, it's like the fifth time it's happened. But people hear that coyote distress sound. And they will cross fences, they will cross property lines, and just come walking right up on you. Because they think it's a dog. They think uh, it's a dog. They think like it's a herd dog Like a herd dog, yeah. It's kind of awkward. That was my first reaction when I was in the stand. I was like, there's a dog that's hurt yeah. somewhere. And I was like, wait a second, no, no. Yeah. Hmm. Probably just, but yeah. it's, I, I don't like getting mad at people or blame people when they're trying to go help a dog. But it's always awkward when 
you see somebody walking towards you and it's like I've, I've had people come running into the call before like jogging do you just wait for them to realize that there's nothing well, there sometimes i'll sit there and i'll like videotape them and kind of like <laughs> ma make fun of them to myself because i mean they're trespassing so i can do that oh yeah. but um but other times it's like i've you know i've put my rifle down and i've walked over there and i've been like what are we how you got to get a cop drop yeah i'm trying to not have the rustling paper that's, you're more thoughtful than Lee is. It's going to do it anyway. It's all right. So, but uh, I'll like walk over and I'll be like, oh, just coyote hunting here. And, you know, I'm kind of ticked off because I've been out there calling and now i got no chance at all. And they just feel kind of, seems like they usually feel a little bit confused or, mm -hmm. or misled or something like that. So it's always awkward when you call a person and while you're coyote hunting. But it, oh, do, yeah. it does happen. But that's probably what you were hearing, if I, I, I had to guess. Yeah. The only time you ever see them after they've started barking at you is at night. Like they will, I've had coyotes follow me around before. But they, yeah. won't, they won't get within 100 yards. Yeah. And at night, during the nighttime season, you can only use a shotgun, right? Mm -hmm. So I have my night vision, and I'm looking at this coyote. He's out there at 100 yards just standing there barking at me. Usually they pace back and forth. And, I mean, they'll go downwind, and they'll know what you are, and they'll just bark. And I literally was hunting across the road from my house one day, and this coyote did that. And after about an hour and 20 minutes of him barking at me, I was like, well, might as well go home because he's not coming in, you know. And I went home. And I walked out my front porch about half an hour later, and I could see him silhouetted up on the hill. He had followed me across the road to my house, and he's still up there barking like two hours. So, coyotes are coyotes are yeah, different. Yeah, how about that? It's, it's cool. Yeah, I've never hunted them, but I know a lot of people that do. Oh yeah, well now you got somebody coming out to your farm. And yeah, do it for definitely. <laughs> but it's uh, that nighttime coyote season's coming up, and it's like it, it, it's really hard because you got to get them into thirty or forty yards to get them with a shotgun mm -hmm. but you interact with so many more because i mean they're nocturnal animals yeah, so they're up at night <clears throat> excuse me when you hunt them during the uh when you hunt them during the daytime you're, you're trying to make them do something that's unnatural you know they're they're a nocturnal animal daytime isn't exactly when they want to be out there mm -hmm. but at night every guy in the world is like yeah yeah i'll come to that call it's so you know it's funny I mean? you mentioned that we i did um eagle weekend tours at kentucky dam village last mm -hmm. weekend and on the tour, uh, I was working the camera up front of the boat, mm -hmm. and we point out eagles to people that come to the tour so they can see birds. Uh, but every now and then, you get something else weird that kind of comes out, and you got to point it out. Maybe it's a rare waterfowl, or maybe it's a red-tailed hawk or mm -hmm. a red shoulder or something. Uh, we were just kind of putting along, and all of a sudden, this lady was like, there's a coyote on the bank. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was just trotting That's along the cool. bank. Yeah, it was wild, because... I mean, like, I see them. I, I've, I live in Lexington now, so, of mm -hmm. course, I don't see them as much. I know there's a ton in Frankfurt. I saw mm -hmm. them growing up. I see them now still. Uh, but to see one just on the water's edge in the middle of a day, I mean, it was like noon. Yeah. Just kind of trotting along. Not, not a care in the world. It is kind of cool to when you're out there on the lake on a boat. Mm -hmm. It's like I see wildlife all the time driving down the road in my car. But when you're out there on the water in a boat and you see something, it's different. It, yeah, it's like you're removed from it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't is, know why it is. It's very different. I can see, if I see a deer on the shore of the lake down at Del Hollow or something like that, it's like, I'm watching those deer. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I can't take my eyes off of them. We watched it until it disappeared. It yeah. was just so, hmm. it was it was cool. How does that eagle tour work? I've never done it before. I've never been on one. But So you said you were running a camera? Yeah, so um, it's put on by parks and there's... Kentucky Dam Village does one, um, Lake Barkley, and then Ken Lake. Cumberland? Cumberland do one? Not that I know of. No, there's been a couple of years, I think, where people have, like, tried it. Uh -huh. I mean, there's the media days. Yeah. Have you ever been on a media day? No, never. Well, so what it does is um, 
Fish and Wildlife, and then Parks. Mm -hmm. We go down and um, everybody, people can pay to mm -hmm. come on this boat. It's called the CQ Princess. It's out of Louisville. Okay. Uh, they they dock at Captain's Quarters. Okay. It's a beautiful, huge yacht. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Captain Paul Masterson mm -hmm. is the guy that does the tours. He's been doing them for so long. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. So basically what happens is um, there's a, there's spotters that are on the, there's two levels. So you got a couple on the bottom, a couple on the top. Mm -hmm. And then there's somebody on the mic. Um, my weekend, it was Jeff Roberts. And then mm -hmm. there's somebody on the camera, which was me. Um, and sometimes people... It, believe it or not, it is hard to use binoculars if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It is. Um, a lot of people, if they haven't used them before, they put them up expecting to like look where they're looking, and they don't actually. They can't actually find it. It's. A lot it, of people just don't understand how to focus binoculars. They don't. Yeah, and then focusing them because they'll be like, it's blurry, and so we use the camera as mm -hmm. a supplement to for people that can't see as well, mm -hmm. can't see as far, because some of the birds are far away. Yeah. Um, so I did the camera work, which was new to me, and I have a new respect for you camera Cam dudes. Camera work. Yeah, yeah. It was, of course, I had a little joystick. The camera's mounted on top of the boat, and oh, that's probably that's probably even more difficult. So you think so? I would not like to film with a joystick. No. It was it was tough because the boat is moving too. Yeah. So not only is the boat moving, but the animal is moving, um, and you got to move the camera. So it was it was a learning process. But yeah, so you go down and you look at eagles, and a lot of times. A good chunk of the people that go have never seen a bald eagle in the wild hmm. before. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They're relatively new. To, I mean, we've always had them in Kentucky, mm -hmm. but, I mean, the, the numbers have exploded yeah. over the past decade, probably. Yeah. And I remember being a small child and never seeing an eagle in my life. I hadn't seen a bald eagle. I probably saw my first bald eagle in the wild, like, five years ago. Yeah, Six years yeah, ago, yeah. Something like I that. was in college too. Were you? Did mm -hmm. you see it in Kentucky for your first one? Yeah, I was actually I was a counselor at Camp Wallace. Oh, so cool. I saw it fly over the fish dock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My first one I saw was in West Virginia. West Virginia. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I went on a trip and I looked up and there it was soaring and it was like that moment. I don't know. Oh, it's cool when you it's see your first so one. It's so cool. I don't. Mm -hmm. And like the more you see, it doesn't get any less cool. Mm -hmm. no. I don't know why. It just doesn't. They're I, just so huge. I so uh, cool. I see them fishing quite a bit out mm -hmm. there kayaking and creek fishing. Mm -hmm. I've seen them. I saw one on the same stretch of the Salt River I ran into you last year. Really? About a month beforehand. I, me and my buddy Bobby were sitting there fishing for, uh, we were actually bass fishing that day, but it was cold out. I mean, there were still no leaves on the trees. And this bald eagle was just right above us in the wow. tree. Just That's hung really out. Cool. I was kind of wanting to just take one of my fish, you know. Yeah. 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 I think that'd be cool. But. Yeah. Then this year I got one on camera. I'm so proud of myself. I'm going to brag about this to the day that I die. I got him on camera, fishing, catching the fish. Oh, really? Going up and eating it. That's pretty cool. Like, the whole thing. Wow. It was so cool. Where's yeah. the footage at? That's on the boat. Okay. Well, Apparently, a... I think Paul, like, it all, like, saves. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to kind of do, like, a greatest hits Okay, because that would be some footage that we could possibly use for yeah, some stuff. maybe, yeah. 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 The, uh, I've seen eagles there. I've seen them here in Frankfurt. I've called them in. Oh, yeah wild coyote hunting and i've huh. just seen them on the creek and then i've called them in in shelby county wild coyote hunting and then of course if you go to lake cumberland or dale hollow or, yeah. or laurel lake mm -hmm. if you go to one of the big reservoirs mm -hmm. there's going to be eagles taylorsville lake has them so yeah. you see them a lot on the boat but yeah i mean mm -hmm. they're they're popping up everywhere so mm -hmm. pretty cool and a lot of that has to do with uh lead shot that's what we were talking about on a recent podcast with i think it was wes little that was in here mm -hmm. was it like a recent episode mm -hmm. i'm only like 10 through 
What? Yeah, I know. You got a number 15 and number 21 are probably my favorites. Or What's number 15? Uh, that's uh, Rachel and... Is that Rachel and Scott? Yeah, I think that one might be Rachel and Scott. Okay, I did listen to that one. I like Rachel and Scott one. Yeah, me too. That one's really good. I, I actually called her the day and listened to it, and I was like, good. Rachel, that's amazing. I like the one with... Uh, I like all of them, of course. Everybody's been great. But I like uh, the one with John Brunges. No, no, no. John Brunges is good, too. I don't want to take yeah. that away from um, John Hast. The bear one. Mm -hmm. I am 20 minutes into that one. Oh, it started playing upstairs earlier, and your voice came over, and everybody was like, where's he at? It's like, nope. Where's he at? Do people not like me up there? Like, no, no. Like, it just came out of my phone, and it was it was weird. I think they thought that you were like right behind me. But Oh, no. Yeah. No, wasn't there. No. Me, John Hast, and Lee all crammed in your cubicle up there. <laughs> They're all up there. No, that's funny, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. You guys got anything else you want to cover? I think I want to run through a quick hitter. What, what are your dates for the upcoming uh, Field of Fork? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Turkey Field of Fork workshops will, they're both in March. One is in, uh, on March 2nd. Mm -hmm. at the That's the one at Fern Creek. March 2nd, Fern Creek. I'll be at that one. Come see me. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the second one is March 23rd. And that one, the classroom is going to be at the Bluegrass Stockyards. And then the we're going to the range at Bud's Guns. The Bluegrass Stockyards are it's in really Paris. Cool. Lexington. Lexington. They are I mean, in Lexington? it's north well, Lexington. Yeah. It's, it's right like near on the, Paris. It, where yeah. the, the, there was a fire yeah. a couple years ago that yeah. that flattened it, and they rebuilt it, and it is, like, have you seen it recently? Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. It's, mm -hmm. like, amazing. How, what I've, they, I've never been there, but so you're going to go shoot at Bud's after that one? Yes. And I'm assuming you're going to shoot at the Sportsman's Club? Yes, they will be shooting at Fern okay. Creek. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fern Creek Sportsman's Club, March mm -hmm. 2nd, which is the one I have here, and then you said March 23rd, right? Yep. So those are... Yep. Turkey. Yeah, I was wondering, so I was going to look and see when turkey season started this year. Do you know the date on turkey season? Do you know it? Proposed date, April 13th. And it goes... Proposed to date? No. I think I got a wedding that day. I hope not. <laughs> April 13th. It says opening day of spring turkey season is April 13th. So yep. that sets you up a little over a month before and a little about two or three weeks out. So three weeks out and six weeks out are when those two classes are. So you can get yourself ready. Mm-hmm goes over gear you need all that good stuff and where can they find more info or there's a you can email rachel here apparently yeah actually as i say my contact information is on the flyer if you follow the otter creek facebook page mm -hmm. um i'm gonna post the flyer this afternoon with all the information on it um yeah and then if anybody is interested in field to fork um or any of the programs that we have because we also have the becoming an outdoors woman program and we have the sister program to field fort hook and cook mm -hmm. which is um basically learning how to fish and how to eat your fish yeah the hook and cook skill we had a east on yeah mm -hmm. like, i mean they ought to do a hook and cook at otter creek do they do that do it in april when yeah, yeah we i think i think they have um sam seaton yeah. who was before me mm -hmm. um they did one last year and I, I would, I'm super interested in doing one again this year. Well, if you think about it, some of the, the, my favorite fish to catch and eat, some of them are trout, but mm -hmm. of course there's a catch and release season. So yes, yeah. basically all those trout are going to die anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, every one of them is going to end up dying. Yep. And, uh, it's somewhere around April 1st, I believe is when it's catch and keep season. It's somewhere in April. Yeah. Somewhere in April. As soon as the water starts warming up, we, it's catch and keep. So you can keep them. So it, I think Otter Creek is, personally, I think Otter Creek's a great opportunity to go out there when it's catch and keep and get a stringer of trout. Yeah. And I know they stock trophy-sized trout out there this year, too, up to 18 inches. So, I mean, you can get some pretty good some fish. Yeah. 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 I was catching them out of Floyd's Fork last year, which is nowhere near as clean as Otter Creek. 
and the fish weren't as big, but I was still getting plenty of fish when I went out there. Yeah. So Otter Creek would be a good place to do something like that. Definitely. Yeah. I was, I was reading this flyer here, and I really wish I would have brought this up earlier. But one of the uh, reasons that these classes are important is because, like I said earlier, people want to hunt, and they don't have somebody to teach them, right? Mm -hmm. Right. One of the reasons people want to hunt deals with what I just read here at the bottom. If you, um, basically, blah, 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 if you want the ultimate in free-range antibiotic slash additive free meat, then sometimes you just have to do it yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so that's yeah. a, the, as far as, like, the farmer's market movement and mm -hmm. people not being happy with factory farmed meat, which mm -hmm. I completely understand that, you know, if you can go out there and do it yourself and you know, the animal is right. I mean, it's a wild animal, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like it's treated inhumanely or unethically or anything like that. And I mean, there's a big need for hunting in a lot of areas. So, mm -hmm. right. I mean, it all makes perfect sense. So more, more people are realizing that and they just don't have a way to act on it. So that's kind of what mm -hmm. this class does for people. Yes. So I, w I wish I would have brought that up earlier, but yeah, that's okay. Hopefully people listen to the whole thing. Yeah. I was going to say, we have <laughs> a couple of tangents, but yeah, well that happens. Thanks for sticking with us till the end. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I appreciate you guys coming in. If you, if you got anything else to add, throw it out there. Oh. More dates, more anything, more info? No, just There's um, three days and okay. yeah, yeah. Um, So if anybody wants to find more information, um, they can visit the fw.ky.gov website, mm -hmm. look under the education tab, and our Learn to Hunt, Fish, Fish and, and Shoot, shoot page yep. okay. is, has the I really feel classes. like usually on the banner on the homepage <clears throat> is usually a field of fork. We uh, try to yeah. the yeah. month of. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see. So you might see it on the homepage, but if not, it's under the education tab. And if you're on Facebook... Most of the Fish and Wildlife Facebook pages will repost these events. Mm -hmm. You can find them pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. I'm hoping this works out well because, I'll, I'll be honest, I then we'll get off here, but I've had people, when Easton came in for his hook and cook and all that, people really took advantage of it. Yeah. He had, uh, I think he had like an entire Boy Scout troop, uh, 23 uh, kids and adults, like the whole troop, the par mm -hmm. parents the included, parents went, yeah went and did his uh, hook and cook, which I know yours is geared towards adults, yes, but yeah. it's still a good opportunity for, yes. uh, there's there's a lot of adult groups out there that hopefully somebody listening is like, well, that sounds perfect for so-and-so that I know, or you yeah, know, like so. family, friends, or just somebody you know that would be interested in either the experience of hunting, just looking for something to do outdoors, mm -hmm. or the, like I said, the benefit of it's really the, the meat for a lot of people too. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's a super comfortable environment. Mm -hmm. Everybody is comfortable with each other yeah then our instructors are fantastic mm -hmm. of course we get different people to come in for different parts mm -hmm. um, we get a conservation officer to go over regulations mm -hmm. and rules and licensing and that's i've noticed is one of the biggest parts that kind of scares people mm -hmm. it's like if i'm going to do it i want to do it right i want to do it legally mm -hmm. i want to do it ethically yeah um so people love getting to talk one-on-one -on -one with the conservation officers and with with the other employees and it's a really good time, and if you want to give up a Saturday to us, we would be so appreciative of it. Yeah, you'll teach them something in return. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, there you go. Definitely, hopefully. Well, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you all for coming on. I had thank fun. You, you guys, yes, you thank guys you. were great. Of course, yeah. Thanks. And keep listening to the podcast, Rachel. Mm -hmm.